Welcome to the Covenant Life Center podcast. We're so thankful that you chose to listen to this message. To get more connected with us, you can look us up on all social media at CLC Victoria and download our app. Now, here's this week's message. Why don't you stand to your feet tonight as we go to Luke chapter 5 or 17 through 26. And one thing you'll learn about me is I'm very passionate about the word of God. Um, and I just love the word of God. I love you guys. And we just want to serve and help you guys out however we can. And for those that are joining us online this Wednesday night, thank you for joining us on Facebook. Give them a hand clap for those that are joining us on Facebook. Make sure they can hear you. And uh, yeah, we're going to go ahead and get right into it. I'll tell you what, the Bible is one of the books that you can read, if not the only book that you can read where you don't just read it, but the Bible reads you. And we're going to read it tonight, and we're going to check our hearts and just check our lives, and we're going to get closer to Jesus. Amen? Let's get to Luke chapter 5, verse 17 through 26. You can turn there, whether you got your iPad, iPhones, or if you can look up there with your eyelids on the screen. It says this. And I love this story right here, guys. It says this. One day Jesus was teaching, and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. And it says some men, it says some men right here in Mark, the gospel of Mark records that four men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. And when Jesus saw their faith, I love that, because something happens whenever you walk by faith and don't walk by sight. It says whenever Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, friend, say friend. Your sins are forgiven. Your, your, your sins are forgiven. What amazes me about what Jesus did right here is that these four friends bought, brought their friend to Jesus. They, they broke through the roof, literally, lowered him down, and the first thing that Jesus says to this paralyzed man, he says, friend, your sins are forgiven. What amazes me about that is this. Before Jesus ever took care of the external issue, which was his disability, he took care of the internal issue, which was his heart and his sin and his death. I want to tell somebody something tonight. Before God works on the outside of your life a lot of times, he wants to do a deep work inside of your life. And sometimes it feels like God is not working or moving on the outside. But I tell you what. God does his best work behind closed doors in your heart. Whenever it seems like God is not working, let me tell you something. God is working. Amen? Amen. Awesome. And it says the Pharisees and the teachers of the law begin thinking to themselves, who is this fellow, speaking of Jesus, who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? We're almost done. But Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? I think it's awesome how Jesus just knew what people were thinking. I thank God. I wish I had that ability sometimes, but sometimes I wish I didn't, right? But it says this. Jesus knew what they were thinking, and he said, why are you thinking these things in your heart? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately he stood in front of them took what he had had, speaking of the paralyzed man, took what he had been lying on and went home praising God. 
everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. Say praise. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. We have seen remarkable things today. I'm really pumped up and excited to share this word with you tonight. I believe this is, that this word is for somebody in this place this Wednesday evening. The message title for tonight is this, Four Stretcher Friends. Four Stretcher Friends, because there were these four friends who had a friend that was paralyzed. He couldn't get to Jesus, so they went to their friend. They say, hey, we're going to take you to Jesus. And they were willing to do whatever it took to get him there, even if that meant tearing the roof open and lowering him down. I don't know about you, but I want to be sure that I surround myself with people that are willing to stretch me and take me where God has called me to go. Amen? Your friends are so important in your life. We're talking about friendships tonight, and I believe it's going to speak to you. I believe that God is going to do something awesome in this place this Wednesday evening. Amen? Amen. Hey, before you take a seat, turn to the person next to you and say, it's time to be stretched. And after you've done that, you can go ahead and take a seat. Thank you for standing in respect of God's word. Um, show of hands, just so I can see. Who has ever broken or fractured a bone before? Have you ever broken or fractured a bone before? Actually, there isn't, there isn't a whole bunch of people um, that raise their hands, surprisingly. I was the type where I thought to myself, I'm never going to break a bone. I'm never going to fracture a bone. That isn't ever going to happen to me. I saw friends in middle school. I saw friends in elementary school that had casts and everything like that. And I, I couldn't imagine how it felt to just snap a bone and have to break it, to fracture it. And I thought if I ever did break a bone, it would be in some epic way or something like that, whether I got in a fight to save somebody or do something, I don't know. I, I thought that I would break a bone in an epic way, but during my sophomore year of high school, I ended up breaking my bone. And I broke it during a kickball game with our youth group. Let me explain. So what happened was, during this kickball game that we had out there in the field that's by the parking lot before it was fenced off, uh, Pastor Drew had brought all the students outside, and he said, hey, we're going to play some kickball today. And what I ended up doing is I slid to first base. And for those that know about baseball or kickball, you're never supposed to slide to the first base. In fact, you're supposed to run over the base. You can even run past the base. And even if they touch it after you're off of it, if you ran past and touched it, you won't be out. But me thinking that I need to make an effort to get to that base before the ball came, I slid to the first base. And I slid in the wrong angle. I put a lot of weight on my feet. I ended up breaking my foot. My mom took me to the hospital. And mom, you remember this? She took me to the hospital. We did an x-ray. And, and, and they ended up saying, you know, solidifying, yeah, you broke your bone. You broke your foot. How would you do it? You know, I, I slid first base in kickball. And what happened was they gave me a cast. They gave me crutches. They gave me all of that stuff. I was like, man, this just stinks. But the cool thing was, was that whenever I went to school, I could wear whatever I wanted to school. And I wore, like, you know, athletic pants. I wore, like, a T-shirt. And back then, you know, they had a dress code. And they may still have a dress code that they enforce. But I got to wear whatever I wanted. And I got to leave class earlier before everybody else. But I couldn't do it by myself. I had, a, I had to have a friend or a classmate help me grab my belongings and take me to my next classroom. What I'm trying to say tonight is this. Life can be so much easier whenever you have the right people behind you to help carry you and take you to your destination that God has called you to go. And on the flip side, 
Friends can be a good thing if you have the right friends, but friends can also be a bad thing if you have the wrong friends in your life. And just like I had, you know, a friend take me to my classroom, these four men took their paralyzed friend to Jesus. They took their paralyzed friend to Jesus. And I just want to tell somebody something tonight. Whether you realize it or not, the people that you call friends in your life, the people that are closest to you in your life when it comes to your friends, your friendships are taking you and influence you, influencing you more than you know. And they're not just taking you somewhere physically, but they're taking you somewhere spiritually and they're taking you somewhere emotionally. I've heard somebody say it like this, if you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. I've heard someone say, hey, you show me your five closest friends and I'll show you the next five years of your life. And yes, we're not crippled, I understand, but your friends, you got to understand this, your friends can influence you more than anyone else in your lives. And we just ended a sermon series in Legacy entitled Friends. We had three weeks where we talked about and looked at different stories in the Bible of friendships, whether it was Paul and Silas or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But one of these stories that we told in the very beginning was this story right here when it came to the four paralyzed friends. Because you got to understand, if it wasn't for those four friends, the paralyzed man wouldn't have received his miracle. And whether you realize it or not, the truth of the matter is your, your company has a greater impact and influence in your life than, you know, anybody believe in what I'm talking about tonight. I'm telling you, your friends can affect your future. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33 says this. It says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. And as I look back in my life and the years where I felt like I was slipping away from following after God, following after Jesus, or just falling short in a whole bunch of different ways, didn't really have a passion or heart for the house of God, I can notice a common denominator in my life. And those are the people that were closest to me during that certain season in my life that didn't take the things of God seriously. And what ended up happening, I let them influence me the wrong way, where I began to talk the way that they talked. I began to act the way that they thought. I began to think the things that they thought. I, believe, I even began to have the same desires that they had. What I'm trying to say tonight is this. People can actually be taking you to Jesus or people can actually be taking you away from Jesus in life. Let me go a step further. You can be taking people to Jesus or you can actually be taking people away from Jesus in life. That you're either an influencer or an influencee to the friends that you have in your life. Anybody believe that tonight? So my question is, where are you taking people Right now, and I'm not saying not to be friends or show yourself friendly or show love to any people that are lost that don't go to church or unbelievers. How else are we going to lead people to Jesus if we don't show them the love of God? Did you know that Jesus Christ hung out with the lowest of the lowest? He hung out with the thugs, he hung out with the prostitutes, he hung out with the thieves, he hung out with the liars, with the murderers, with the tax, collector, tax collectors, and, and the Pharisees and Sadducees and teachers of the law saw him and they said, oh, they, they gave him a title called the friend of sinners. But I want you to understand this tonight. Jesus was always the influencer. Jesus was always the influencer. Jesus was always the influencer. And also, even Jesus knew that some people he had to cut out of his life like Judas. 
You got to understand, this may sound pretty harsh tonight, but you have to understand that sometimes there are some people or friendships or relationships that are just sucking you and draining you and just, just taking all these different things uh, out of you, and, and they don't have the right heart, they don't have the right motive. And sometimes, you know, the blessings of God isn't in what he gives, but it's actually in what he takes away. And sometimes you just have to open up the door and let people go because God is doing something in your life. In the next place that God is taking you, you can't take everybody else with you. Now, I'm not saying to be mean to them, to gossip behind them, behind their back, or be condescending to those people that God had, had had to remove from your life, we're supposed to show ourselves friendly to everybody. Say everybody. everybody. There's, there's not one person that we shouldn't show love or forgiveness or show friendliness to, but just because you're showing yourself friendly to someone doesn't mean that you have to be best friends with them. That doesn't mean you have to be best friends with them. Whenever you see them in public, you see them at the mall. You ever have those awkward moments where, like, you had a past or a history with someone, you had some beef, and all of a sudden, you know, Victoria's not a huge city. You see them at the mall. You see them at the movies, and it's just kind of awkward. And sometimes you'll go shop in the other aisle just so that way, you know, for them to get out of the aisle that you need to shop in. I don't know if you guys have been there or not. And you much rather not talk to them. Let me tell you something. Your greatest test will be to show the love of God to the people that did you wrong, that did you dirty, that just betrayed you and deceived you. You think you have the love of God in your life? Wait until you get into a situation where someone leaves you, abandons you, talks bad about you, betrays you, and you got to see them again. But I love what Jesus Christ did. He was the ultimate example. He was, up, 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 he was up there on the cross, and he hung there, and he saw all of them who were mocking him, spitting him, the ones that hung up the, hung up him on the cross, and he said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Jesus Christ was a great example, right? What I'm trying to say is this. We're supposed to show people the love of God. We're supposed to be friendly to everyone, but here's the sad thing. Everyone may not be as friendly to us. And tonight, I want to make a couple observations. I want to make a couple observations from this story that we can take out of it on what we were called to do as friends. I think the four friends did a, showed a great example of what we're supposed to do as friends. And I want to identify um, how we identify friends worth having in our lives. And my first point tonight is this. We are called as Christians. We are called as friends. We are called as believers to lead people to Jesus. We are called to lead people to Jesus. If you ever want to ask yourself, like, what am I called to do? What am I here for on this earth? What is my purpose? What, have, what is my assignment? Sometimes we complicate it so much, but we're supposed to lead people to Jesus. The Apostle Paul said it like this, follow me as I follow Christ, right? And Jesus Christ, he's the only way to heaven. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. No one can get to the Father. No one can get to heaven except through him. Jesus Christ didn't come to make bad people good. Jesus Christ came to make dead people alive. And when we stand before God one day, you have to ask yourself this question, have I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior? Because if you haven't, you're going to find yourself in a hard place because hell is real and heaven is real. So why in the world would we not share Jesus to other people in our life, especially our friends, but I love these four friends. I, I love what these four friends did because they had so much compassion. They had so much compassion and love for their friend who was paralyzed. They saw him in his weakened state, and they didn't just leave him there. 
They, 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 they heard about this Jesus who was coming to the city, who's been healing people. He's been setting people free. He's been casting out demons. He's been opening up blind eyes, opening up deaf ears. And these four friends decide, you know what, we need to take him, our friend who's been paralyzed for years and years and years, we need to take him to Jesus. Let me tell you something about friends in your life. Friends are people that will see you in your weakest moments in life, and they won't just leave you there. They won't just pass you by, but they'll get right there in the dirt, stand right next to you. They say, hey, I know times are rough. I know times are hard, whether it was your fault or somebody else's fault. And they'll say, hey, you know what? It's not over. God has a plan for you. I'm praying for you. I believe in you. God loves you. God has plans for you. Come on, let me, better, better yet, let me, let me take you to church. You know what? I'm praying for you. What do you need? I am here for you. And this is they took him to Jesus. That's how you can identify friends in your life. See, people that are not your friends will come. You ever, like, you ever had somebody that you thought was your friend until something happened? And then all of a sudden, they just left you high and dry? Or you found out they were talking about you, talking mean about you? See, and you're in your weakest moment, whether it was your fault or somebody else's fault, and all of a sudden... You thought they were your friend, but they ended up leaving you. I just want to tell you something tonight. You don't ever lose friends. You just find out who your real friends are in life. And when it seems like your circle is decreasing in size, it's actually increasing in value. I just want to remind somebody tonight, you need to look around you. You got to see who's, who's supporting you, who's helping you, but we're all called to lead people to Jesus. Say, I'm called to lead. And I'm not saying to have controlling friends. I'm not saying to have friends that are super controlling and like dictators. I'm saying to have compassionate friends. Compa there's a difference between like controlling and compassion. See, and, and here's also what gets me about this story. It says that the four friends, they, they decide that they're going to take their friend to Jesus. But it says as they get to the house that Jesus is at. Oh, my gosh, what in the world happened? I need to get some water real quick. Somebody give Jesus a hand clap. Come on. My voice is dry. I promise I'm not hitting puberty, guys. I promise. I'm past that point, okay? All right, let's get back on track, guys, okay? Let's get back on track. But I love it because, like, it says that they, they approach this house, but it says that the house is completely full. That they can't get to Jesus through the front door. And these four friends could have easily given up. They could have said to themselves, oh, this is way too hard to get our friend to Jesus. We might as well leave our friend. Maybe we'll get Jesus next time that he comes into town. We can't get to him. But no, no, no. These friends literally went up on the roof. They got, I don't know if they had shovels or their hands or tools. I don't know what happened if they're just jumping up on the roof. Can you imagine being in the room, hearing Jesus teach, hearing Jesus preach, and you just hear something, and all of a sudden dirt comes down, grass comes down, grass comes down, mud comes down, however they built their houses back then, it starts to come down, and it says that they lower their friend to Jesus. I think sometimes in life, we give up way too easily when it comes to leading people to Jesus. That we pray one prayer, that we reach out to them one time, that we say one thing and they say no. They say, I'm not going to church. I don't believe in God. And all of a sudden, we just cancel 
them, them out of receiving the free gift of salvation, and we forget all about them. But I want to encourage somebody tonight who feels like you have some family members, some friends, or some loved ones that haven't given their life to the Lord. Keep praying. Keep believing. Keep having faith. Keep trusting in God. Is there anybody in this place tonight? You have somebody in your life. Let me tell you, one of the best things that you can do is pray and be persistent. See, they couldn't go through the door, so they went through the roof. And if they didn't have faith for their friends, then he wouldn't have received his miracle. We got to be creative in our approach when it comes to leading people to Jesus. We can't give up so easily. I'm reminded of this one time in seventh grade. I don't know if you ever just had like a horrible year at school, but seven year, seventh grade was like one of the hardest years for me in middle school. What ended up happening was uh, in my seventh grade English class, there was this girl, yes, I said girl, who ended up bullying me because of my faith and my belief in God. And in fact, she was an atheist, and I cannot make this up, guys. This happened to me. I experienced it. She started making fun of me because of my faith and my belief. She heard, Caleb, are you a pastor's kid? Like, how do you believe in God? Like, you really believe in all that? And she wasn't really making fun of me of my belief. She was making fun of me because I was different when it came to the way I talked and spoke. I didn't talk dirty or talk mean. I didn't gossip. I, I, I tried to help hold my life at a different standard. How many of you guys know we can't just be hearers of the word of God, but we got to be doers of the word of God. And the best sermon that you're ever going to preach is going to be the life that you live. And what happened was she started making fun of me. And would you believe other people in the room that were also Christians began to make fun of me as well? So you find this little hurt Caleb in the English classroom, and I could have responded or reacted in any other way to this girl, but I just kept my mouth shut. Sometimes the best thing to say is nothing at all. Honestly, I feel like sometimes we think we have to clap back or talk back, but sometimes, man, just silence is golden. But what I ended up, what I ended up doing, I didn't talk to her in person, but what she didn't know, I was praying for her in my prayer closet night by night. And there were people that were joining in on the mocking and the bullying and making fun of me or whatever it may be because I, I, I didn't act a certain way or whatever it may be. Maybe I was weird. I don't know. But what happened was I prayed night by night. And I was persistent in it for quite a long time. And one night I was in my living room and I was with my family. And I, I told my mom, Mom, I, I just feel such an urgency to pray for this girl. I don't know what it is. I feel like I need to intercede for this girl right now and go pray for her. So the Holy, that was the Holy Spirit leading me. Let me tell you something. Be sensitive to the Spirit of God. If you wake up in the middle of the night or you're in your living room watching something and something is drawing you to pray for a specific person, that's, just not, not, that's not something that just came out of nowhere. Sometimes the Spirit of God just leads you. So what I ended up doing, I began to pray for this girl. and I, I prayed in the Spirit. And what happened um, uh, the next day, whenever I went into the classroom, I sat down in front of her. And would you believe, guys, that she didn't make fun of me like she normally did every single day. But she actually sat down behind me, and she began to burst and cry in tears. And I turned around, and I said, hey, what's going on? What, what's happening? Is everything okay? And she told me, Caleb, last night in my house, things got hectic. Things got chaotic. And, and I went to my room by myself, and I was feeling depressed, and I was feeling down. But something happened last night. Whenever I was in my room, I felt like something entered the room. And I don't know how to describe it. All I can say, it just felt like love. And she didn't know what to say. But then she said this, get this. She said, Caleb, the first thing that came to my mind was you and what you believe. And I said, Carla, yeah, I said her name. I said, hey, I said, hey, that was God. 
That was the spirit of God because it says God is love. And would you believe she said, Caleb, I want whatever you have. So I prayed for her. God, he came in and she gave her life to the Lord right there in the classroom. And she got planted at a life. Oh, man, I'm telling you, God still moves. God still moves. God still moves. Don't give up on people so easily. The gospel does the best work whenever the gospel does the work. And sometimes we get so fed up, we're trying to change people. We're just trying to change their hearts. We're trying to change their life. Let me tell you something. You can't change a person's heart. Only God can change someone's heart. Keep praying. You're called to lead people to Jesus. I don't know about you, but I want to surround myself with friends who are willing to bust the roof open. Amen? Here's the second point I have for you guys tonight and my last point is you got to learn how to celebrate other people. The first one, we're called to lead people to Jesus. What do people think of? Where do people see you going in life? Do they see Jesus on the inside of you? The second one is you got to learn how to celebrate other people in life. And this may seem very practical tonight, but, man, I'm telling you what, we don't have a hard time understanding the Bible as much as we have a hard time obeying and being obedient to the Bible, and we need to grab a hold of these principles. But here's what gets me about this story um, with the four stretcher friends. It says that after they brought their friend to Jesus, they lowered him down uh, on the floor that Jesus, you know, he forgave him of his sins, but Jesus told him, hey, pick up your mat, get up, and go home. And it says that Jesus healed him. But after Jesus healed him, it it says that everybody else in the room and the friends begin to celebrate. They begin to get excited about him receiving his miracle. Let me tell you something. You got to learn how to celebrate other people in life. Real friends, real friends will celebrate you whenever God raises you or elevates you to another level in life. I've noticed sometimes whenever God blesses me, when God does something in my life, I look around me, look at my friends, and I can sometimes see if if somebody's being envious, if somebody's being greedy, if they're kind of just ignoring me or whatever it may be. And I can realize, you know, who's celebrating me? Not really celebrating me, but celebrating what God did in my life or who's just kind of just like jealous or whatever. And you can find who your real friends are. And I'm not saying this tonight. There's two sides to this. Don't be the person where God blesses you. God does something in your life, and you begin to be boastful and prideful and arrogant about it, and you rub the blessings of God in other people's faces. Don't be that type of person, and and if you do do that, don't expect other people to celebrate you in life. We're called to be humble. We're called to be humble, and we're called to celebrate other people in our life. Anybody receiving this tonight? We're called to be humble, and we're called to celebrate other people in our lives. See, whether that means a salvation, a promotion, a right relationship, or whatever it may be. See, we're called to do unto others what you would like to be done unto us. And you reap what you sow in life. You reap what you sow. And I think about Cain and Abel. When it came to Cain and Abel bringing a sacrifice to God. And it says that, that, that God found favor, favor on Abel's sacrifice over Cain's sacrifice. And it says that Cain became, Cain became jealous. He became envious. Instead of celebrating his brother, his greed wouldn't allow him to celebrate his brother. So what he ended up doing, he ended up killing his brother. And he was miserable after that. Let me tell you something. Some of the most miserable people in life are those people that don't know how to celebrate other people. 
You don't know how to celebrate other people. You don't know how to help other people. We want everybody to give a hand clap for us, but whenever it comes to God doing something in, else, in somebody else's life, we're just on the side like, <laughs> like, God, what? Nah, that wasn't God. We, we get jealous, we get envious, but let me tell you something. If God could do it for them, then God can do it for you. And you got to have an attitude of gratitude and thankfulness and, and just celebrating other people in life. You got to celebrate other people in life. And I, I found a video online earlier this week as we get ready to close. Haley, you can come on up, and after this, you start playing. But I found a video online of a great example of what this story was speaking to me when it came to these four stretcher friends bringing their paralyzed friend to Jesus. Because let me encourage you, you are called to help other people in life. We all have a story. We all have something in our life that we've experienced. We're all called to help other people. But sometimes we think about me, myself, and I. But I found this story, I found this video online, and there was a news article on it as well. There was this track meet with all these different girls, and they were running this race. But what ended up happening, there was this one girl who was about to cross the finish line, but she got injured. And she fell down, and she couldn't cross over the finish line. But what ended up happening was the other rivals, the other competitors ended up stopping. Some of them didn't, but some of them did. And they ended up sacrificing their place in the race in order to get her past the finish line. I think they have a video of it I want to show you guys tonight. And this is awesome right here. I believe there's some music too. I mean, some sound too. They could put up there. show of sportsmanship as you've got an athlete who can't quite make it and they've got a team a, a girl from another team trying to help her to the finish line so she can finish the race that's what now that's another what the sport one is all well. about oh my goodness this is just incredible the sportsmanship phenomenal as you see those final yards there as you see Clemson and Louisville helping the Boston College runner that's Tate and Pease the Boston College runner can't even lift her legs right now. She'll try to cross the finish line. What a shot right here at Lakeland Soccer Park in Cary. But you sacrifice your own position wow. to help another athlete finish what they started. And that, that's a true sportsmanship. Come on, that's awesome. Come on, give them a hand clap. And we're going to close here in a moment. But we all need to be lifted up sometimes in life. You may feel strong right now in your faith. You may be so consistent when it comes to coming to church, prayer, Bible reading. But how many of you know sometimes life just hits us? Life just happens. Whether it's a financial issue, it's a health issue, it's a relational issue. Something happens personally in your life. Did you ever, you ever just feel, like, have you ever just felt down before? You felt like you couldn't get yourself back up and you just need someone to be there see us as the church we are called to help other people get back up just like the four stretcher friends they saw their friend that was hurting they saw their friend that was discouraged and they said hey we're gonna help you get to Jesus we're gonna help you get to Jesus let me encourage you tonight one of the best ways to help yourself feel lifted up is to help lift up other people 
One of the best ways to be encouraged is whenever you encourage other people. Because as you have faith for other people, you'll begin to have more faith in your life. As you begin to love other people, you'll begin to feel more love and experience more love in your life. You reap what you sow. And it says that after the four friends, they helped their friend get to Jesus, that other people in the room became excited. They, they, they got encouraged. They had faith in their life. And Jesus, you know, before Jesus, it says this. I love it as we get ready to close tonight. It says this. Before Jesus, it says that Jesus came, you know, he, he, he told the, the man who was paralyzed, hey, pick up your mat and, and go home. Jesus came and he did that. But before Jesus, the, the, the mat carried the man. But after Jesus, the man carried the mat. And I just want to tell somebody something tonight because I, I, I felt this as I was praying and preparing for this message Maybe you're going through life, and some of you guys are going through life, and there are some things that are weighing and keeping you down, and they're carrying you through life. And you're saying to yourself, when is this ever going to end? Am I, am I ever going to get out of this place in my life? I just came to tell you tonight that God is about to do something so miraculous and so tremendous in your life, and he's going to do it in a public display where he gets all the glory and where he gets all the praise, and you're going to begin to carry the things that used to carry you. You're going to begin to carry the things that used to carry you. See, you're going to help people overcome addictions that you used to face in battle in life. You're going to help people come out of debt instead of staying in debt your whole life. You're going to help bring healing to someone. Come on, does anybody believe this tonight? You're going to help bring healing to someone else's life in an area where you faced hurt, where you faced discomfort, but you got to go to Jesus. You got to go to Jesus. You got to go to, I don't care how much money you have in your bank account. How, how in shape you are, what kind of house you have, what kind of car you drive, how perfect your family may be, or I don't care, wherever you may be at in life, we all need Jesus Christ in our life. There's no, there's not one person that's exempt from needing salvation, from needing life, for receiving something from Jesus. Anybody believe that tonight? Come on, give God a hand clap. You can stand to your feet tonight. You can stand to your feet tonight. You got to go to Jesus. See, Jesus was able to raise the man and forgive him his sins, not because he was just a good man, but it's because Jesus was a God man. He's a God man. And he told the, he told the man who was paralyzed, he called him a friend. I love how Jesus called him a friend. Let me tell you something tonight. Jesus doesn't want to be known as a distant entity. Jesus Christ wants to be known as a personal Savior in your life. And you do have a friend. You have a friend in Jesus. Greater love hath no friend than, than, than a friend to lay down his life for the ones that he loves. Let me remind you tonight, over 2,000 years ago, there was someone by the name of Jesus who laid it all on Calvary. He laid it all on Golgotha. He laid everything down so that way we could live. He died in order for us to in order for us to live, he traded death, he, he traded life for death so that way we can trade death for life. Jesus is the best friend you can ever have. And it says this for my conclusion, Jesus is not only my friend, not only my God, he is my friend. Jesus is not only my God, he is my friend. Have you ever thought about just Jesus being your friend? That God is your friend? You may be saying to yourself like, how could God be my friend? Doesn't he know what I did? 
Doesn't he know what I've done? Doesn't he know what I've been through? Doesn't he know the baggage that I carry? Yes, he does, but he still loves you. Jesus became sin. He who knew no sin sin became sin, so that way we can become the righteousness of God. God loves you so much. Anybody receive something out of tonight? I hope you guys did. Come on. He is faithful. I want to pray over you guys before we get dismissed and before we leave this place. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Maybe you received something in the past 30 minutes where God spoke to you in a specific way. Were you ready to lay some things down at the feet of Jesus? Were you ready to take the first step and follow after God? Were you ready to lay down your pride? I don't know where you may be at tonight, but let me tell you something. You have a friend in God. It doesn't matter how, how, much, how many mistakes you've made. It doesn't matter how far you've gone. God loves you so very much. God is here for you tonight. And all we got to do, we got to pray one simple prayer. We just got to give our life to the Lord. I want to give somebody an opportunity in this place. If you have not prayed the prayer of salvation, this is such a great opportunity to do so. Whether it's your first time praying it or a thousand time praying it, maybe you strayed away a little bit. Right now in this moment, you can just get real with the God and he is there. So I want you to repeat after me. To everybody else that's prayed this prayer before, please say it like it's your very first time and say it with a sincere heart tonight. Say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. God, I forgive other people for anything they've ever done in my life. Jesus, I believe that you are Lord. I believe that you died and I believe that you rose. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give Jesus a hand clap. Our mission here at Covenant Life Center is to help our world live, give, and love like Jesus. If our ministry has impacted you in any way, we would love for you to email us at info at clcvictoria.org. You can get connected with us through our social media at clcvictoria and download our app.